It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Hey, it's Wheeler Walker Jr. here. The Pussy King, the pop country killing machine. Got a really great uh, interview today for the podcast. Um, one of my favorite people, uh, Shane McAnally. But first, and this is a first for the Wheeler Walker Jr. podcast, we got a real ad, not one of my made up ads. We got somebody to pay me money to promote something. And uh, hold on, let me figure this shit out. Hold on a second. I'm a shitty golfer, you can ask my wife. I've been out there. That's Toby Keith. Singing a shitty golf. All the plaid sweaters and new tailor made drivers didn't make me any better. Yeah, that's right, Toby. Paid me money to promote his new record on my podcast. So go pick it up. It's called uh, it's called Bus Songs. So the cool thing about this record is um it's a it's a whole out Toby Keith I guess he likes to sit in the back of the bus and write you know, sing all his dirty songs and then he goes and makes albums and records the clean ones, but he finally decided to put out all the fucking the crazy shit in one album. Kinda of Wheeler Walker Jr. style I like to say. That was track one, Shitty Golfer. I love I love seeing these tracks here on iTunes that just have a bunch of asterisks in them and co- with the country genre next to them, you know? I thought I was the only guy doing that, but no, he's doing it too. He's got uh, two songs about weed, Wacky Tobacky and Weed with Willie. I think Willie's on that song too. I know he's in the video, but um, go pick up Toby Keith's new album, Bus Songs iTunes, Amazon, do me a favor, buy it, and then everyone, will, if everyone buys this record, then they'll know the um, power of the Wheeler Walker Jr. podcast, that if I say their name, they go buy the shit. <clears throat> so, uh, go buy Toby Keith's new record, it's called The Bus Songs. Alright, that's the end of the ad. You know what I got paid for that ad? I'm not supposed to say, but Toby Keith gave me $85,000 to do that, but which was really cool of him. Kidding, of course. But anyway, today's podcast is really cool. Um, one of my favorite people in Nashville, uh, or should, should I say Music Row, I'm talking about the people who, you know, my favorite people in Nashville, my family, but one of my best friends who actually works in the industry and is a really powerful dude who actually picks up my calls when I call him. Uh, it's, it's guy Shane McAnally. He's one of the biggest uh, songwriters, probably the biggest songwriter in Nashville, and um, kind enough to spend some time talk to me. Um, I already know some of my fans are going to get pissed because he does Sam Hunt's stuff. He co-writes it and produces it, and we talk about it, and uh, you know we kind of come to a common agreement on Sam Hunt. But you know what are you gonna do? Sometimes you get along with people. Um, but he, Shane's a great dude, and he loves real country and the good shit. And sometimes he gets a bad rap because he he has his name on a lot of stuff that uh, people like me don't like. But you know, he's a real deal and a great guy, and he loves all the. You know, we really have a lot in common. A lot of, we love all the same kind of music. So um, and it was really cool for me to do a podcast talking about songwriting. One of my favorite. Subjects. I never really get to do podcasts about songwriting, so um, I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, this is my interview 
with Shane McAnally talking about songwriting in Nashville and, you know, lots of cool shit and how fucking awesome I am and how awesome he is. So enjoy it. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. All right, we're recording here. I'm here with Shane McAnally. I'm going to take my headphones off, make sure we're still going. Shane, thanks for coming. You're here with... um, Olivia. Olivia, who works with you. Yes. Um, But uh, for people who don't know, um, although it should be, it's in the the album... uh, Shane and his buddy JT uh, wrote uh, "Fucking Around" with me. It was the first song I ever co-wrote, um, and it was real. It was a highlight of the writing experience in the last album for me because I'd never written with anyone, much less um, the uh, best songwriter in Nashville. The greatest songwriter, yeah. I mean, literally, we wrote a song, and then you. I don't know if you remember this. We wrote the song, and then you said. By the way, if you want to come by the Country Music Hall of Fame tomorrow, I'm giving a talk. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll come by. And I, This is how I like to make friends. Some yes. people will get you know, the right impression of me. So I stop by. I mean, that's why I get so pissed. I love pi- that's what I said. But, but, I, but I get pissed because I go, people don't take my shit seriously. And I go to the Country Music Hall of Fame, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a seminar. You're talking about uh, your life and your work and... By the way, I was kind of pissed that your career, they stopped your career like the minute before we started writing right. the song. Right, was, that was as far as they got, which I'm hoping they will pick up. and We'll figure it out after that. But yeah. then, then I go upstairs and there's a Cobb, Dave Cobb exhibit. I'm like, why the fuck am I not? All these yeah. people that yeah. you work There's the producer, with. there's the co-writer, and they still won't fuck. Like, I'm not, there isn't, and there's a clear space right between where Dave's, uh, I guess it's like a, it almost looks like a storefront. Where they put the stuff well, what in I was there. Gonna, I actually had an idea, which now that I say it on a podcast is too late, but I had an idea which is it's kind of Banksy-ish, which I was going to get a bunch of friends and we'll all kind of load up our jackets and build a a Wheeler Walker Jr. Uh, just build it in there. In, the, in there, just see how long it stays up in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Like with, But it's hard to get the glass. Trust me, I did too much research on this. You've but already to build worked a, on it? To build what a glass if you just case. did it? In where there wasn't any glass, I mean, I guess it would be easy for easier for them to take down, but that's you. I mean, there's no glass between you and your fans. It's just you. Well, that was one. That I had another idea too, which I was. They wanted me to do a record release show, and I said not to do it. I said, why don't we just do a Wheeler Walker Junior Museum, where you could go and look at all the stuff. You know, you know, it, it would be what like. What would you put in there? But it would be like it would be like a fake museum. It would say like you know. Wheeler Walker Jr. used a Gibson guitar on the record, much like this one here. Like it, would, it, 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 it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be the real. Oh my God, that's amazing! You so could to not use the real one. Any be, record in there and just be like, "This record record went platinum." Yeah, I would just say, you know, they they they, they you know, here's the here's, he, you know, he he owns his original masters, which would look much like this roll of tape right here, you know. So I would like not use. He blew his nose with with a box of Kleenex like this. Much one, like, yeah. They have a suit of mine in that display at the at the Hall of Fame, no and I don't, I just think it's. First of all, I think that's weird. It's just a suit. I mean, it's not like a Porter Wagner suit or it doesn't look like something that, you know what I mean? It's just a suit and uh, like a church suit. I just think it would be so badass if I was just standing in it one day, just real still. That'd be really fun. And yeah. people were just walking by the glass, just in my eyes, I could just follow them and see if they noticed. I don't know that anybody what's, even looks at mine. What's the suit? Well, it's just like a suit you wore to an it's award show? It's a suit show? I wore to the CMAs when we won Song of the Year. And so... God, it looks, I look so short 
from that suit. It looks like a little child's Well, suit. To speaking of the CMAs, we were talking before. So I went on a Twitter rant yesterday about how it was I was uh, blackballed from the CMAs and that it was that I actually was nominated, but they refused to do it. But I was half joking, but I half wasn't. I was on that last ballot. You were. The song we wrote together, Fucking Around, feature, which Nikki Lane sings on. And so tell me the story. So it got far enough. Well, I'm on the CMA board and, uh, you know, usually these conversations and these committees are, are very private and it's a a secret, but, um, you know, we're friends. So I'll tell you that there was a conversation about fucking around and about its legitimacy. Just to go back a step though, how do like nominations for something like that work? Does they start with just every song and they just keep moving back down and down and down? Uh, yes, as it gets smaller and smaller, like anything that in that particular category was vocal event. So that would be any, so I was nominated, I was almost nominated for vocal event of the year. Yes, exactly. Which would have been cool. I mean, I would probably tell them fuck off and not go to look cool, but, but it would have been helpful for me. I agree. Uh, And I would have really liked to have seen you get in there, um, just to see what you would have done. What would they have done? I mean, I guess they would have just said bleeping around or something. I don't know. I don't know. That was the question. I guess the so it came, actually came they, up at the CMA meeting when there were twenty nominees, possibly fifteen. I could be wrong about the number. Um, there was a question about how do we handle it if this song gets in the top five. So it was legitimately considered. I mean, and 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 everybody just said, "Look, let's cross that bridge." If if a song gets nominated and he gets the right amount of votes clearly there was some you know backhanded behind the curtain that i didn't see because clearly that would have been nominated and since it didn't get nominated i don't know who paid who or what but it, yeah, i know I mean, it has something know, to do with Scott my Bush manager Shadow. asked me if i wanted to put out an ad i guess in the trades i guess a lot of people do that and he gave me the price i'm like F-, i go fuck that i go i don't want to beg for it and then finally he talked me into it and then the trade wouldn't accept the ad oh i saw the ad too it was so good i didn't realize that it didn't end up in the yeah, it didn't end up yeah the ad was me making fun of the other 14 right songs. So <laughs> i for, loved that you make fun of Reapus back to god album yeah i mean that takes some balls um <laughs> i don't know if that takes balls and she's your gonna, favorite yeah she is one of my favorites but you know fuck her she didn't return my calls so it's her fucking fault um anyway but let's i want to get because to 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 you in your background, please. A bit. Let's because do. it's a, it's an interesting story to me, which is because I first learned about you when uh, I met. I reached out to you because we've been talking, and then what happened was I was like I had made the decision I wanted to co-write some songs on the new mm-hmm. on the new record on Old Wheeler, and I mentioned to some people I knew in Nashville that you know some of the people I talked to, and I was out of town at the time, and they go one of the people I talked to goes, and I met named off the list of people who reached out and I reached out to. And I said, Shane McAnally. And they go, if Shane McAnally wants to run you, you get on the plane right now and you fucking, fucking go. Like, they, I didn't realize that it was a big, you know, big deal. I mean, to you, it's <laughs> Me not. Either. Yeah. No, I, well, you know, what's funny is you're, the first time we interacted was on Twitter and I had, I think. And I'd made fun of probably every artist you worked with. Yes, and I kept retweeting what you said because I loved all of it. And I think you shot me a message or something and just said, maybe you had already had that conversation about writing, but I've never, I wanted to write because of your first record. I loved it. I love it still. And I, I, you know, when we're writing in these rooms and stuff, like I'm talking about, like with the people that I write with all the time, we go down these roads of like, I love 
hardcore country music. I mean, that is what I came up in. I'm from Texas. I, you know, grew up on Merle Haggard and Johnny Cash and you really were, I mean, you were obviously having fun with it and taking it uh, to another level, but those kind of songs, we don't get to write those. And you know, we're, it's a, it's a job I'm doing. So I'm trying to make a living and those kind of songs don't get recorded. So I felt like if I could why do you, write, why do you think that is? Um, it's just a trend. I mean, yeah. I think that people are just in a different, they just want to sing about girls and fields and fires and trucks. Yeah. I mean, why, why do you, cause it, it's interesting. Cause you know, if on the, to the outside world, it looks and this is what kind of pissed me off. I think to the outside world, it looks like, oh, Wheeler's a sellout. He wrote a song with this hit maker. But, to, but you can look at, to me, and tell me if, if you think this is right. I can look at your career through any lens I want to. I could say Old Dominion, Sam Hunt, or I could say Casey Musgraves, Brandy Clark. You know, it's yeah. like I could say, name my favorite artist. Oh, Shane's work with them. Or, or say, you know. Who's your least favorite? <laughs> my least favorites, <laughs> right. too. And, um, and I think the thing that I liked about you when I first met is um, – you kind of went out of your way to let me know, like, yes, you, you, like Sam Hunt, he, he's not on Twitter. Like, he, right. he doesn't read your shit. Like, it right. wasn't like, you know, it wasn't some war. I was, it was a one-way it war. It was a one-sided war. <laughs> which kind of, I mean, I don't want to say I, I, I give, I don't want to give him respect on my own podcast because people will think I'm a sellout. But I think it's funnier that I'm just ripping on him every day and he hasn't read fucking one I, of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, me too. <laughs> I think that, but I think that might have been one of our initial conversations was like, uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, he really is that removed. He just doesn't. Well, I think know it's, about it. What, what I thought was, I mean, that's what again. What I thought was cool about you was like, I think anyone else when you're working with an artist is someone like Sam Hunt, who's had a number one single for what thirty you, weeks. Thirty weeks. Mm-hmm. Thirty weeks. Number. That's like. You, by the way, even the other person in the room is laughing at that. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> They would go, whatever, I don't want to fuck this up. I'm not going to work with anyone who makes fun. You know, I don't think you think like that at all. You're just, you do what you want to do. Well, I also know him well enough to know he respects what other people do so much. And like, he loves, first of all, he's, uh, he's just a lover of great music. He loves country music and he understands he what he's what's doing. He rapping for? Well, he, his influences are all over the place. I mean, he loves rap music too, you know, but his the respect he has for people that do whatever they want to do and i think he also gets look he knows the way that looks i mean it's not lost on him that what he's doing doesn't sound like what people consider country he's just making the music the way he wants to do it he didn't set out to to change country music or to make everybody uh you know i don't know jump the fence it's just the genre he's in he's a country person i mean he grew up in the south he grew, you know what i mean his his life is was is very country i don't know that sounds funny but you yeah know. well it reminds me of you know i did one of these with brandy clark and she said someone had told her that that, that she'd been told because the, now the question comes all the time what what is country music right and she someone told her it could have been you for all i know country music is whatever white people are listening to which i don't mm. think is a bad description i don't think it's obviously it's not 100 percent true it's but. not untrue though you know i was uh i went to the kenny chesney show in boston last weekend and was having a conversation with another cma board member who was talking about our demographic and the conversation always comes up in these board meetings about how we're bigger than we think there's black people listening latinos and we looked around in this 60,000 seat venue and we clearly couldn't see every face but I couldn't see 
anything but white people. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? I mean, because I don't, I think people get the wrong impressions. Like, you know, like I can make fun of this people when, when they rap in country songs, but I love hip hop, you know? Like, right. It's just, and it's just me being selfish in some ways. Like, if I want to listen to hip hop, I'm going to listen to Dr. Dre. I'm not going to listen to. To a country artist doing hip hop. I'm not going to listen to. Or doing rapping. He, exactly. I'm not going to listen to Florida Georgia Line. Right. With Nelly. It's funny because I don't know why, but when, not that we're just talking about Sam, I don't consider what he's doing as rapping because when when that what started that whole conversation was a song called take your time that josh osborne and i wrote with him and he we had been writing with him for years and that song was written about five years ago and when he started speaking those verses it was just it's almost like what do they call it back in you know back in the 60s and 70s there were a lot of country songs that had well, spoken word there was a lot of there was a lot of rappers back in the old days who were kind of influenced by johnny cash right by, by like the way he kind of talked the cadence you know? yeah it was like yeah. talk singing is what i call yeah. it and and sam's speaking voice w- was just really recordable that way a lot of people sound real goofy and he didn't so it was like and and it's believable when he talks and then you see him it's not it just, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm in the middle of it. Maybe it's because I love him so much as a person and as a musician. Maybe I don't see it the same, although when you look at the numbers and you look at how many people are drawn to it, something's working. So, Well, that's the thing, too, is it's hard for me to argue. I mean, I'll argue all day, but when I'm playing Exit In, he's playing Bridgestone. It's like, <laughs> what, am, what am I going to, what's the argument, you know? Right. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you, maybe I, sh- I should start fucking rapping, but... Um, it's I mean, also, there's an element. If you think about like some of the songs you, you you've done, I mean, you the rapid fire thing, and you're able to get so many. Well, I you think, know, there's. A, I think there's the difference is. I think the the similarity is. You know, he's he's actually taking hip hop, maybe culture and the and the rhythm of it, mm-hmm. where I'm taking the content of it. And yeah, that's very that is true. Where I mean, I guess that kind of pisses me off. I guess the part that pisses me off is taking hip hop culture and then softening it mm-hmm. and making it you know palatable for the white audience which is not i do think and i do think that is what a lot of country artists do i and and without naming names people that i've even worked with i don't think that's what he's doing okay give me a, okay just to make it fair give me a sam hunt song to listen to later that you think is kind of are there any well lyri- there's a lyri- song called lyrically song is called, he pushing the envelope at all in well there's stuff? a song called break up in a small town that uh I'm a co-writer on, but the, but he had written the whole chorus before we started the song, and it's a country idea, and it has a like he could sit with his acoustic guitar and play this chorus, and it will knock you out. I mean, it production wise, it wouldn't have fit on his record that way, so it's a much bigger production. But the chorus itself and the idea of saying, um, if you know you if you're gonna break up with someone. It's really you can't do it in a small town because they're there. You're going to see them everywhere, well, and you got to move or move on when you break up in a small town. To me, that is an age old idea. Well, that's a, that's an old that's an old. I think I want to say Stanley Brothers song, but I know Keith Woodley and um and Ricky Skaggs did it, which is don't, don't cheat in my don't hometown. Cheat, don't cheat in our hometown. Exactly. Yeah. And so the point being, all these country songs have been written in some form. He said it just a little different way, but it's still a country idea at its root. There's the verses he's talking, but he's telling a story. So, I mean, that one is one that I think from a songwriter's point of view, you can really get to the, you know, sonically people freak out because it has like this 
drop chorus and the bass is really loud. But at the root, it's a country song that is telling the story that we've heard. Well, I mean, again, not to, I don't want to defend him because then I'm going to get a bunch of fucking angry tweets. But I guess if you were to say the similarities between us, like me and Sam Hunt would be, he's, he's putting that kind of twist on the old, you know, like don't cheat in our hometown. He's changed. He's putting into kind of the hip hop culture. You know, I mean, just he's putting doing it, it into a cadence that sounds really modern and yeah, may would work on pop radio, but it's more about, it's like if Ricky Skaggs put out, don't cheat in our hometown. Now the melody, the production, it, it's not, we're just not, that's not where the trend is. It's yeah, not I'm where just, music I'm just is. saying what I was comparing us like, and, and whereas I would do fucking her, I would just, I would, I would Don't sing it. Fucking I would, hometown. I would say, or fucking around is kind of close to that. It is actually. I would say, I would do the old style rhythm of it, but just make it nasty. I mean, right. we're both updating. That's true. The same old song. You're just songs. taking the same, um, yeah, I'm sure your fans are going to love us comparing the two of you. But there's, um, but there's, you know, I think that's all you try to do as an art, artist as a songwriter i guess there's all you can do is try to think of a new way to same right say the same old because there's nothing new to there say there's nothing new that's right so is that when you sit down and write a song is it um because i've i've only been to, like i said not very few songwriting sessions i'm trying to go, get to more but the problem is i just did one with a kind of big name guy like a couple weeks ago and i'm sitting at the songwriting session you know and if i if i help out like this could be on a big record make some cash and i'm and they want to kill me because I'm I'm sitting there and I go, dude, pussy fits perfect right here. Like, and they wouldn't let you put it in. They're like, they're like, you know, we don't make, you know, this is who did that. Um, I don't want to say his name, but um, <laughs> let me because I want to get, I want this song to get on the record, but right. but it's a uh, pussy but, fits uh, perfect. But you know, it's a, but this, but it was a, it you know, it's it's like a mainstream guy who's yeah. on the radio a lot. I'm like, because my whole thing, because everyone, were you writing for them? Yeah, I was writing. I was at their office. Well, was it? It's an artist, or is it a writer? It was. It was an artist and his producer. I got you. So, see that in that regard, if you really want to write songs for other people, the way what I do is you gotta you gotta be a chameleon in that you that you know clearly that person whoever it was isn't gonna say pussy. So you probably need to think about that before. Trying yeah, to I mean, change I think, them. I think what happened is Stephanie at Cobalt, who you, I think you know, um, mm-hmm. she's like, you know, a lot. There's a lot of fans of yours. And, you know, you can people want to write with you. Yeah. So why don't you go out and try to do this? And I've tried a little bit. I think the problem I've had is in my head, it's like, oh, cool, I'll get some my name real small and just but get a bunch, like anytime you do something, and I'll, I'm not, I'll, I'll be, I'll be to tell the truth. I just like, oh, cool, some cash. Anytime you do something for the cash, it's ain't going to work out. That's true. You know, because I was sitting there like, I'm like the typical artist, which is if this is a killer song, I'm going to take it myself and then mm-hmm. dirty it up. But if it's, but if it's, if it's something that, if you it's might. shit, then I just like keep my fingers crossed and hope people will buy this shit. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you just said something really interesting is, is that the, I, you know, for me as a songwriter, what changed? I mean, I was in town for years before anything happened for me. Well, tell for, about, fourteen tell, years. Tell about your, your backstory. Um, I grew up in Texas. Uh, I went. I played all over Texas and Oklahoma in bands, and I was writing songs as, as a teenager and, and going into the studio, local studio. I, I worked in radio and uh, just any anything around music. Really, I was just obsessed you, with country music. But you were an artist. I mean, you. Then I moved to Nashville originally when I was nineteen to be an artist. Um, somebody that I knew had a friend at Curb Records and they sent a tape 
a cassette tape of mine to them. And, and the person had about 10% interest, but the fact that they even responded and said, you might have a place here. I, I, I actually drove up um, on spring break. I was at the University of Texas at Austin, and me and a few buddies got in my grandmother's minivan. We drove to Nashville. We did not have one plan except to get me to the Bluebird Cafe. And we went and put my name in a hat. And they drew my name, and it was the first time I'd ever played a song of mine for songwriters. And that was sort of it. I'd never wanted to go back. I had to go back and get my stuff. But that that was, uh, I was 19. I'm about to be 43. So that was 24 years ago. And the first 14 years I spent trying to have an artist deal, uh, moving back and forth to L.A. Why do you think the artist thing didn't work out? Um, you know, I was in my own way, I'm gay. And I think that part of it was, I was so scared of anybody finding out that, that, that there was a, do you think you were blackballed from the industry for being gay? No, I don't. I just think that I sort of blackballed myself. <laughs> um, I'm just laughing at the word blackballed, but, the, um, you can say blue bald. Yeah, maybe that would have been, but better. you think, you think the reason you didn't do well is cause you were hiding being, yeah, I don't think it was the industry's fault. I think it was that I just, I was doing whatever, you know, you were talking earlier about, about people doing something for money. I just wanted to be famous. Yeah. And so I didn't care that I was just rewriting the songs on the radio. And obviously what you were writing wasn't quote unquote the truth because you weren't, you weren't being yourself. And not that you have to like write about being gay, but there's a, there is a disconnect. People would hear my songs and go, yeah, I mean, I was a, you know, good singer. I could entertain I was on the road with Alabama and Kenny Chesney. I mean, I was doing these giant tours because I had a good manager, but nobody really connected. And I know it was because I was sort of saying and doing everything I was supposed to. They always say, obviously, country music more than most genres. It's about the truth. And I do think maybe what you're saying is, is, is true. It's like if you're not being truthful to yourself, they, right. can, they can sense that somehow. Absolutely. In every, you know, every radio station and every person. I mean, I did and said everything right. But there's just something about that eventually. You see it now. I mean, you know the people that when you see them on something or here, there's like, I don't know what this person is up to, but I know that I'm not getting the whole story. Totally, yeah. I mean, I just you know that this dude, I mean, one of the shit I hear is just like, there's no way he's that passionate about a cooler and putting it in a truck. Right. Like, I don't give a fuck about that song. Absolutely. But, you know, I remember, like, it reminds me, I remember I had a, fr- a friend, a girl I knew. She, I wouldn't even call her friend because she was such a fucking dipshit. But she, um, Elton John came on the radio and she goes, I don't know. She goes, I don't know how people listen to Elton John knowing that, that he's, he's not singing about, that, that he's singing about girl. dudes. And I go, and I stopped her. I was just like, it, to me, I, it was so crazy to me hmm. that that mode of thinking. I because, had that fear though. Like, you did have that fear. Absolutely. And even when I f- started to have success as a songwriter, Finally, and people started to know, like you know, because I kind of I came out. It's not like I had some big announcement, but you know, I was with a guy, and you stopped telling. You stopped. I stopped hiding. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was afraid of artists finding out that they might not think they could relate to the songs because you really want people to be able to plug in their own story. Well, what's interesting about the argument I had with that with that girl was. First of all, Bernie Taupin wrote all the lyrics, and he's straight. Right. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, yeah, and secondly, like it was so odd to me to think of someone listening to music like that because that's right. not how i listen to songs like when i'm th- when i listen to um john lennon sing jealous guy you know i'm not thinking about yoko right you know i'm thinking about 
my life. Exactly. Well, that's something in country music that drives me the craziest. I know this isn't what you were referring to, but that brings me to another conversation, which is people won't sing now in character about, I mean, honestly, with the, with present company excluded, but there people will say, well, I'm not divorced, or well, what would that say if I sang a song that didn't sound like I had kids when I have kids, or what about a song that mentions kids, but I don't have kids yet? Yeah, we, that used to not the, be the case. One of the songs we, that when I did this songwriting trip, um, one of the songs that came up was to a big artist, and their and their complaint was, you know, it'll it'll put me, you know, people think it's about my ex wife. I'm like, dude, it's a fucking song, you know, right? But the, they send it back, you know. They, they said we love the tune, but you know, people think it's about my ex. And I don't want her to think that. It's like it's a fucking song. Uh, you that, know? I know, you know. Probably who you're talking about, and that happened a lot um, in in getting songs there. And uh, people do that. It really it's it's like when you look at the 70s, you know Johnny Cash did not sh- shoot a man in Reno. That's you know? the, literally the example I was about to use, and it, it's the best example. But there are many. I mean, in Mick, the 70s, Mick Jagger ain't a street fight man. He went, to, he went to he went to business school. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people people would cheat and they would talk about the struggles of that what it does to a marriage what it does to both sides even the person cheating i mean all those conway songs i mean he he was always singing about cheating and nobody thought of him as a shit i mean all those women in the audience you know going crazy for him they weren't thinking of him as this big cheater that was it was a character it was also a sort of showing again the the two sides to the glamorous life of country music well that was always i love the songs the songs i love the most are always the ones that i listen to my whole life and then someone says you know what it's about and i kind of figured out you know they explain it to me and that it's the more hidden the better which is kind of what's make you know i'm thinking about i'm always thinking about the next record i'm always because my my well you haven't kept much hidden exactly that's what when i'm thinking about the next record my thing is like you know maybe a little bit of subtlety couldn't hurt you know (laughs) that would that would be a so I couldn't be any. I couldn't be any, you know, it'd be hard to be, you know, subtle. I can only be less subtle, I guess, is what I'm trying to say is like, there's not much really kind of hidden in there, which, right. which is ironic, I guess, because that's, that's my favorite kind of songs is the ones you don't really I know. Own. I'm the same. And I write songs with like such detail, but so many of my favorite songs throughout history are songs that I drew my own conclusion to. Yeah, I mean, I just I remember listening to songs just like, you know, that's in that the ultimate goal is when you're listening to it, like, oh, that's about me. I know, you know. Right. But it's obviously not because they didn't know, you know. I always think of that song by Fleetwood Mac, Dreams, Players Only Love You When They're Playing. Yeah. And there, that's the only line in that song that anybody seems to care about because I used to play that song live and I, those words are, you know, so here I go again. The, the, none of them are tangible. They're just sort of words. And then that one line says something that makes everybody go, I know that person. I know what she's talking about. And I'm not sure that is what she's talking about. But for me, players only love you when they're playing. That was enough to like make that one of my I think favorite people, songs. Yeah, and people like always like talk about they love rumors. It's like... The yeah. whole but they were all cheating on each other at the know. time, and they're all on drugs. And you don't hear it. songs about just regular sh- exactly. shit. You know, you don't. It's not. The, I'm it's fascinated not, by the making of that record. I've watched every documentary. the The fact that they were able to make a record that made any sense, and that people felt beyond all of the you know chaos. Have you worked with? Um, I'm sure you have because you worked there. But have you worked with Little Big Town? Yeah, because. Mm-hmm. 
I hear a little because I always well, try they're to, all doing that. They're cheating I, I, within. I, they're oh, all really? you know cool because <laughs> no. I know they're not okay because I. I always I go love through the idea of that though because they're so sweet. I love the I I like going through the pop country stuff and just finding like a kernel of shit that I like. And there's a couple of those songs of theirs to me that's very Fleetwood Mackey sound. I agree. They're not very country, right? And it's in a weird way, but to me, they've I hear some Fleetwood Mackey. Well, I think, th- and there's well, also they, people I love who write. You know, Hemby's written some. Oh yeah, a lot. And Lori, Lori McKenna, mm-hmm. songwriters I love that have done some of that stuff. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. These writers that I love, and they they seem to do a. It almost sounds like. Um, like I said, there's a Fleetwood Mac thing. I actually met, I think it's Karen, is that yeah, her name? Yeah, Once and I just told her I was a big, this is what happens when you're me, as I said, I was a big, I was a fan. Uh-huh. And she laughs, she goes, you're kidding, right? Oh, I know what you mean. Well, no, but pe- I mean, you, people it, think I just, cause oh, she's so, she's actually, if she was sitting here, she could go, I mean, line for line with us. She, there, that She is tough. She is, she knows country music. She is smart. And hilarious. One of my favorite people. I mean, they all are. And not to just talk about Little Big Town on this, but they're just such a they're such great ambassadors for the new and the old. They're they're just great people. And and she is um is just one of the realest, funniest. Uh, I just love her. And uh, she would she loves these kind of conversations. I mean, I, I was on a plane with her recently, and we talked for two hours about music and about the good and the bad and. And how, what parts of it we are and are not responsible for, and and what you do for a career versus what you do for the the art, you know? Yeah, it was it was it's weird because that's one I listen to. I listen to some like I don't think there's any of their albums that I'm I, is, there's and they would admit too they haven't made rumors, but they but they've made to yeah. me there's like I'll skip this song, but there's a few songs I'm like these are good fucking pop tunes, and I'm I'm still not quite sure why it's it would maybe go back to Brandy's thing. It's just. It's white people for white audiences, right. or somebody decided that they're in the country, and they've got a lot of soul. But it's hard to, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know why it is. It is. I'm not talking about them specifically, but in general, that's just where we've been sort of pigeonholed as this music for white people. I mean, I, I think some of it is just they're if you're based in Nashville and you mm-hmm. have a Nashville label, almost. I mean, because some of the stuff I don't know, I still don't understand why it's considered country, and I've stopped arguing about you know like. Mm-hmm. What where, is good? Where, where's the next Hank Jr.? It's like right. the, 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 they ain't coming back. They ain't gonna. I mean, it could. But. I think it could. I mean, I, we're seeing what's happening with Midland and and like you know, you talk about Casey, talk about Brandy, and there's so many more. And party, that, um, John no, party. Okay. I mean, I, I I think I think those they're nudging the door open. You know, I just I worked on this Midland record and and everyone is saying how surprised they are that um that this song is working because it's so country, but it's, it, it's about the production. I mean, the song itself is, it has a really sing-alongable hook. Which, which song? Drinking Problem. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, sorry, to, I was sort of vague there, but it's number one right now. It has been number one recently, so I've been talking about it a lot, but they, you know, that chorus is, is just a big, fat hook of a chorus and we it's surrounded by steel guitars and and harmonies and well that's the thing know. a hook's a hook i mean if it's kendrick lamar or little exactly. big town or whatever who gives a fuck right um but i guess my where i get angry is well, i get angry because i'm angry but also like because you have issues but issues but i also just but i get angry about stupid shit like i get angry about like this i wasn't angry about the cma nomination but you know it's like man that would have helped my career a bunch to have because they wouldn't have let me play it, obviously, but like it would have been cool to be up there. And then you could have protested that they wouldn't let you play exactly. it. Exactly. I would have showed up and started 
person and got him in even more trouble. But also, too, like, I'll, I'll actually get mad that radio's not playing me, even though I know that's like, FCC won't allow, allow it. You know, it's right. like, I get stup- angry about stupid shit. And, you well, know, I can't, I mean, <laughs> the sing- the first single off the record, uh, what? Pussy Summer- King? No, what was the first, well, sorry, what was the ballad? That I was thinking Summer's in Kentucky? Yeah, Summer's in Kentucky. Um, that song, I mean, if you did not have some of those lyrics that show up at, in that chorus second verse, I mean, I you you just about would get away with that. I mean, that song is that was such the close. Yeah, I mean, that one I was I was writing it, and it's I I always describe it as like being you know whenever like when you're at a funeral and you're doing being really serious, and it's obviously serious, but sometimes somebody will throw in a joke to like, right. to like calm everyone calm down. And I wrote that song, and I was like. I was about halfway through the song and I'm like, everyone's going to kind of like my buddies are going to make fun of me. Like, what have you done? So I got to throw the, it's almost like I like, you had to do it. Like looking back, maybe I shouldn't have done it, but that way, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've referenced I don't that song it, yeah. a lot for people who don't know your music or they think they just know it from sound bites. I've said, you should go listen to this song. I mean, musically the production, of course, Dave Cobb, you can't deny what that dude does and, and what he's, what he's done with you is no different in that it's, it's a, uh, music with integrity, the, the players and the way it sounds, I think people that don't recognize that, you know, musically speaking, there's melodies here and yeah, you throw in cuss words. You, you're basically just putting in songs the way people talk. Well, that's exactly what happened. I was, uh, now I'll turn the interview on myself, but I was, I was at, I was home. I was back in Kentucky and a friend of mine goes, you come with us to the reunion, and I'm like, I'm not going to the fuck, you know, 15 year whatever it was, high school reunion. I go, fuck that, and I was with them. It's like, you know, well, let's just go. And then there's the hot girl from from school, and she's got the 12 kids and four divorces, and we're all and we're all just like, uh, you know, we're still we go back to high school mode. We're like, hey, man, can we imagine that thing? It's all fucking stretched. And we're talking like that. Like the lyrics are. are oh, I remember that moment in that song where I'm like, I mean, if that. I didn't see it coming, and when it when it did, I thought, man, he was so close to putting something out that would have probably would have got, gotten by the gatekeepers. But at what at what cost? I exactly. mean, what, I mean, what does like, that then say about what the the records you're making, the the projects you're putting out? They have to. I mean, I think the only way to have a career, you may have had a bigger hit. Uh, but it would have been uh, a blip. I mean, what, and they would have bought the record and been like, "What's his other eleven pieces?" Well, know? yeah, it would have been the wrong. I mean, leading people to, but but, but with that said, not that a lot of artists don't do that. And I mean, I know that song is funny, but it's not unlike the conversation you were having. I mean, that's just that's it. what I'm saying. I took that conversation. I'm just like, you know, I, I want to go back home, and I want, and the, what we got to in that conversation, which I wanted to put into a song, was like. We as we kind of reverted to young boys, and we're just like you know, fucking pieces. You know, she yeah, looks nasty, you and do. then we, you just go back to that. And then we were talking about how nasty she looked, and we all kind of agreed that you know, we, she it comes over. Here, she comes over here right now. We're taking her. Like we'll take her. And we all joked around, like, dudes, look in the mirror. Look at us. We look like fucking pieces. There's of shit. such a true. I love that you just said that. That's not really what we're talking about, but it's one of my favorite things about. Like songwriting itself is going into. I'm a I'm a nostalgic songwriter. I'm a nostalgic person. I'm still friends with all my high school friends, and I'm you know I hang on to that. And we tell the same stories every time we're together. And the girls and the guys to me 
they look the same. I know to the rest of the world we're all older, but the hottest girl is still the hottest girl. And I don't even really, it's so funny I, I, how that stays. Whatever, you know what I mean? We're sort of stuck. Yeah, even, yeah I would say too, Even the, the, again, back to what I was saying was like, she she didn't look like she did, but I would have, t- like, we'd all would have fucking. Yeah. We all, all, all would have fucking left whoever we were with and fucking married her right. that night. You still see her that way. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was trying to do in that song. But I still want to go back and go to, um, just because I don't think people understand. I know that you don't, you kind of don't want to talk about this, but you're probably happy to, like, the amount of success you've had. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love talking about it. Okay. Like, how many number one songs have you written? Uh, I, honestly, I'm not trying to be coy about this. It, there's, I think 27, 27, six, 26. That's Currently, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So what's the, I mean, there's obviously no key to a number one song or you'd write a book, you know? Right. Um, but I think with me, is there something that you, you think they all have in common? No. I mean, some of them are shit, but I think that it, the, the consistency of the songs I get recorded in general, you know, are, that I um I do have to feel something. I know that that's so cliche sounding, but I do think I, I'm hard on songs in that it, just because you have a great hook or something that sounds really cool. I gotta have that moment where I go that I know I would that would stop me. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because like when I take I'll go into a, a, a when I do a record I'll take like thirty something songs in, and mm-hmm. they, the Cobb and whoever else you know will whittle them down to ten or eleven. And looking back on it, those were the 10 or 11 that actually meant something, you know, have some meaning behind it. Shows it shows through. It's not like, it's not like they coincidentally had the best hooks or whatever. Right. It's just like, it, it, someone like Cobb understands, you know, he's feeling what I'm feeling and let's, you know, let's record. I mean, th- I don't know, like, there's obviously a lot of, because I obviously don't know the radio world and not that's something I need to learn, but like. It's like, how does a song become number one? It's just a lot of politics, right? It's just a. I mean, well, a big part of it is just having me as a co-writer. Well, that's the main. Tr- that's tr- the main well, secret I, ingredient. Well, there's. I can think of an example where that didn't help, but yeah, <laughs> I could not overcome your reputation. <laughs> yeah, or the or the or the fact that you get fined two hundred grand per per play of <laughs> per it. play. No, but um, for real, uh, you know, there is a. It's a long process. I mean, it you. So if you write a song sitting in a room, if we, you and I wrote a song today and uh, we were sitting with our guitars, the next step would be to play it around for like uh, people that may, maybe if you had a publisher or like my publishing company, somebody that we trust and go, is this what we think it is? Should we go spend the time on a demo? So then you go and you set up a demo session, mix the demo. And then it, in you know my case, the way that a song gets to be recorded is most of the time um it's a relationship with the artist or with someone close to them if i say this sounds this really i use kenny chesney as an example because i've had a lot of success with him um i'll just send it directly to him now not everybody has that that relationship and i didn't for a long time my first couple of hits with him went through managers what what year what, what was your first hit in 2010 uh my first number one was somewhere with you that was with kenny that's why i mean not to be rude, but it was it was weird at that Country Music Hall of Fame thing. I was sitting there, I grabbed a seat. It's like today we celebrate the life and career of <laughs> no, Shane like McAnally. It's like it all started back in 2010. I'm like looking, at, <laughs> I, I look at my fucking phone. I'm like, what the fuck's going? I was like, that was, I know. That was like three weeks ago. It yeah. was. It was. That, I know. I feel the same way about it, except for the except for the 
14 plus years before exactly. that. Yeah, well, they, they, in fairness, they did talk about that stuff too. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's sort of, you know, uh, I can speak even recently. Uh, there's a song that um, that I just wrote and and Kenny loves it. And, and I actually didn't send it to him. I didn't even have a chance. Somebody else heard it and sent it to him. And sometimes that helps just through relationships of the other writers or a publisher or a friend. And, um, so I'm in a, I'm really lucky in that I can get songs to artists. It still feels percentage wise as hard to get cuts. I know it's not, I know that a writer who hasn't had the cuts I've had would say bullshit, but it still feels percentage wise. Like I get so few cuts compared to the number of songs I write. Do you think it's, do you think at the end of the day, it's just a numbers game? You know, I think it's part of it. I mean, I've definitely, I mean, I write a lot of songs. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's where I, if I just, if I decide I want to do it, like I said before, I, um, I shouldn't, I think I'm in it for the wrong reasons. Although I love writing songs. I came here for a week and that's not like whatever, you know, seven songs did like five writing sessions, probably got six or seven songs out of it. And like, that's no way to make a decision on that shit. Well, I mean, I think there is, you have, uh, you've been doing other things. I mean, the fact that you make records and the fact that you're out on the road and you're playing these shows and stuff, you do have knowledge of how to write songs. A lot of times the conversation among songwriters is that, you know, artists want to cut the songs they wrote and I'm, I'm really not, you do have to have a hand in your writing because of the style, but I'm talking more to the artists that, you know, I'm, I may write four songs in a week and then on Friday get to write with an artist. That's probably the weakest song I wrote that week, but that's the one that has a better shot of getting recorded. And that's because, you know, there's this belief now that every artist has to be a songwriter. I mean, and when you look at the greats, well, I think. Do you think too that it's because maybe their managers are saying you, you yes know, for like absolutely that extra, you know? And I think it's part of the big conversation that people don't really realize. That's part of the conversation of why there's been a diminishing of what people would call great songs because you cannot force someone. I mean, you can, and they do, but every singer is not a songwriter. Um, I'm not a singer. Yeah. I'm a songwriter. Not to say you can't be both in some of them. I mean, there are people that are great at both, but I shouldn't say I'm not a singer. I do sing, but but I I wouldn't want to go up against like Karen Fairchild of Little Big Town. We were talking about her earlier. She's one of the greatest singers um, in, in music. And so yeah, a lot of the people don't understand country more than most is a lot of good, you know, song interpreters. There's not a lot of the big names aren't songwriters. Well, that is what I was going to get to is that when you look at the greats that built this song, this town on songs, George Strait, uh, Conway Twitty, um, yeah, George Strait, did Reba, he write anything? George wrote early in his career, Maybe but never a hit. I think he may have written. That's 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 actually, actually untrue. I think in the la- on the last record he wrote a couple of songs with his son, who is a, a, a great songwriter, and Dean Dillon. But the point is, he the point built is his he's car- had you know f- but, sixty number ones, and I, I would say fifty eight of them he didn't write. But also picking good songs and knowing what a good song is is a talent in itself. It is, and the interpretation, like you said, I mean, I, again to refer to Kenny Chesney, Garth Brooks is also a great example of this. They're great writers, Garth. And Kenny would be writers anyway if they didn't have their artist career. But still, more than half of the songs they record, they did. 
They didn't write. Kenny knows that there are people hitting the pavement every day that spend all their time concentrating on songs. So he has the mentality of, that's not what I'm doing every day. So why would I be better at that? And I guess he's also got the mentality of, this song I wrote is pretty good. Yeah, I'd make more money off percentage-wise, but this song is killer, and Shane's offering it to me, and I think it's a great tune. And ultimately, what's it going to do for his career as a whole. I mean, at this point, him yeah. being a co-writer on a song and the quote money you would get from publishing, he's playing fucking it, stadiums. nothing like, compared, compared yeah. to the number of people that, that might show up because he recorded a song that he interprets so well that people just assume he wrote it. Yeah. I don't really, I'll be honest. I don't know Kenny Chesney's shit that much. I always, I always, and I need to get a friend of mine was giving me the argument how Jimmy Buffett's really good. And I always hated Jimmy Buffett. Mm-hmm. It's probably I haven't really listened to him. I don't. I don't. I don't mean to say that Kenny Chesney, Jimmy Buffett, but he, he well, kinda, there's I kinda, similarities. I kind of thought there, he was in that world, and I don't like that kind of like you know. Well, it's about an experience, and the yeah. thing is, I'm I'm especially um, sort of versed in that at this moment because I just went to Boston and you know saw the, the Kenny Chesney experience. You see the the thread among people, the camaraderie among sixty thousand people that are all there together. For one thing, it's almost like a dead Grateful Dead. It is, and it's turned into that. I mean, and and so there's a there's something about that that's completely different than all the stuff we've talked about. You know what I mean? That's another thing, and it's a gift. I mean, you that that probably happened kind of. I would assume it happened organically too. It did. It just grew into that, and people realized they had this in common. That um, they that that's what they base their summers around. It's pretty amazing. Um. Can you tell Jaron to wait like two seconds? Yeah. I have a, I, 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 all right, cool. Yeah, because I still have a couple more questions. One, and I, we don't have much time, so that's why it'd be good to get the, a short answer. Yeah. Like, okay. Because people always that's ask, not my that's not my strong suit. But people always ask like, and it's the hardest question to answer. Like, what exactly is publishing? Okay. Because like I, I have a quick answer for that. Let's do a quick answer. Uh, publishers act as agents for songs and songwriters. Um, they are, they, you know, they exploit the songs, they get the songs out there. That is ultimately what a publisher's job is, uh, is to, if, if you're a songwriter and you don't know how to get your songs to George Strait, uh, the publisher should have those relationships and be the, you know, sort of the vessel that does that. So like when, like a songwriter says, you know, people watch, you know, interviews with musicians are just like, Thank God I held on to my publishing mm-hmm. and, you know, right. I make my money from publishing. Like what, are, what, what well, exactly? I did that and yeah. that, uh, I didn't sell any of my publishing at, along the way because early on when I had my first, when hit, you say that you're saying that you're, you're talking about the ownership of the song. Yeah. It's half, half of it goes to the songwriter, half of it goes to a publisher. And then there's deal. There's millions Except mine, deals I, I in keep between. Yeah. yeah. You keep, people can keep all of it. People like I have all of my publishing too, but that was by accident really because I couldn't get a publishing deal. I had been back and forth from LA. I'd had record deals that gone wrong and people knew of me. I was sort of used in that way. And so I, I was able to get a song recorded without a publishing deal. And then I took that money and started my own company. That was, look, that was a great, learning lesson because you think I'm just going to own my own publishing but in trying to develop other writers you realize w- what goes into publishing and that these people work really hard so for so for example let's just say like you come to Nashville you're broke mm-hmm. this is a story I like some guy gives you 20 grand a year to right. sit in a room and write right in exchange for that you'll give away 50 percent of your publishing yes that's a that's a kind of a simple version of it that's true um, and the twenty thousand, the the truth is, as low as that seems, the odds are not in the songwriter's favor. So that twenty thousand, most of the time, goes unrecouped. 
Exactly. Like, he's got to have $20,000 worth of hits to make it worth it, which he'll never have, especially year one. I mean, oh, definitely not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if that happens, it's a complete fluke, and I honestly don't even know anyone that I guess, happened to. I guess as a – because now you own your company. Yes. they're building across the street here, Smack Songs, right? right? Um, as a, as, now, as now you as, like, a owner of a publishing company, is it more like – do you look at it more like, you know, this is – Let's say that twenty grand. I'm just picking yeah. the number. Who knows what it, it is? That like, was close. But it's like, if I pay him four for four years and develop him, that's right. Then it, that's when it starts to make the money back. You hope. Yeah, four years is still a short amount of time. A lot of times, writers year seven is seems to be a common number where it starts, and usually ten is where people start to really see success. Really? You know, so you a lot of times what what really if there was somebody before that was doing the the first few years of development and then you get a writer when it looks like it seems to work out the best. I think most publishers would say this and I may be speaking out of my ass, but it seems like a lot of times what's great is when you get a writer who spent those first four years somewhere and that it didn't end up working out. So it's hard for them to get their next deal, but they're prime. It's like they've made the relationships. They've taken the time. Nobody, People are scared to sign them because they've already had a deal that nothing's happened with. But that seems to me always to be a good moment because they've put the work in. It's like going to college. Well, I mean, it seems like a low, I guess to outsiders might but seem I've like a low. But I've been on both sides of that. It seems like a low number. But to me, I'm trying to think of myself like right out of high school. If you'd given me, if you, someone had offered me, let's say, 17 grand Dude, that's to, 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 what to, I to write songs Absolutely. every day, I would have. Oh, I then I didn't have to continue like waiting tables or I would have freaked out in yeah. construction. Not that I ever did that. I just threw that in there because that's what people do. I bagged groceries. Yeah, yeah I mean uh, anything to just write songs. Enough money to just sit around writing songs. I would have taken that into. I would have. I would have laughed in his face. Like, why are you giving me so much money? It's exactly. And that is sort of what I did when I first moved here. I was making nothing. I mean, I. I wish I could. I, I feel like it was like fourteen thousand a year. Um, but it's also probably back when Nashville was affordable. Yeah, so. it was different. I mean, I was able to get by on that, but it, you know, look, I was getting to write songs. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing too is, you know, that's the thing that's, that was new to me is coming, coming here, write songs, which is there's the guy who it's like not briefcase. It's like nine to five. You write. That's what it is. Yeah. Which is, I didn't, that it kind of reminds me of the stories, you know, I heard like the Brill building or that kind of shit, you know. It is like that. And everybody is surprised by that. Uh, it's different than New York or L.A. In, in that it is scheduled. And the reason we're all scheduled is because of all the collaborations. You know, if I wanted to write with you, we might be two months scheduled out. But because we're collaborating and we're working around your touring schedule, we're working around my producing schedule, we want to make sure we get a date. So we have to book way out. And you show up for those things because messing with someone's schedule, I mean, that can throw the whole week Well, yeah, off, I mean, we're talking like, I, you know, I grew, growing up playing in bands, you would write songs when, you, when your buddy's over, you're just riffing around, right. messing around. But I, I like the idea of treating it as work, which is I'm writing a song at 11, writing another one across town at 2. Yes. Like, it, it makes it makes me feel like a fucking professional. That's it me, me too. And I most of the time just have, you know, sweats on, but at least I have to show up because being a creative person, if I don't have that, I don't get shit done. The days that I don't have a a ripe booked where people will say, "Oh, well you can use that day to catch up on this or this or this." I don't do anything. Yeah. I have to have that schedule. You, yeah, it's not, it's not like, "Oh, I'll write four songs for myself that day." Have you ever had any song, have you ever had any cuts that were solo rights? No. And I I wrote for years by myself. That was sort of what got me back to Nashville. 
but I never, and none of those songs ever got recorded. I mean, and, and once you start having success and a calendar that's booked up, it's really hard to find those days because like we just said, if I have a free day, my thought is maybe I'll just write by myself that day. I don't. I usually develop an idea, have a chorus, have a hook, and then go into one of my friends and have them help me finish it. Well, that's it. what I did. I mean, yeah. the reason I came to you was I, ha- I was working on fucking around. I had the chorus. I couldn't for the life of me fucking finish it, which had never happened to me before. And um, I was like, let me take it to, you know, not like in that way, like take it to some pros, but like, let me put some other heads onto this. And people, well, then it becomes a habit because you probably, I mean, I'm sure you've collaborated a lot since then. What happens is you, I, I stopped when, you know, when I stopped writing by myself and started like taking ideas into people and not f- finishing them, I realized how much other people had to offer. And I would think, God, there's no telling if this is what I'm thinking, there's no telling what this person might Well, that's think. the way I looked at it was that song. I had a, a killer hook, I thought, for the chorus. And then you and JT had all the other shit. I'm like, this is way fucking better. And it's more importantly, it's shit I would have never thought of. Yeah. And well, also, that's the point, right? I mean, well, that's otherwise. The point of, to me, the point of co-writing, I could always not use it. I mean. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, it can, you can't make it worse. I can only, you can only add to it. Right. It can't be like. Well, oh. and I always say, and a lot of people are funny about this, but like if you had brought that idea and say we had fucked it up, say it wasn't what you, what you wanted. I always say to people, look, if you have this idea, it's this flushed out and we work on it. It's flushed out, flushed out. Um, if, if we work on it and you don't like it, t- please write that idea again and know that it's fine. I mean, that some songwriters are funny about that, but I don't, you know, if I have an idea and I've worked on it and then I take it to someone and they take it somewhere I didn't want to go, I reserve the right to keep that and go, I'm going to write this either by myself or with someone else because I think there's a hook here that we missed. Cool. Well, this has been a really cool talk because I don't really get to talk songwriting that much. And especially those guys I know, I mean, like I talked to like someone like Billy Joe Shaver, who just mm. has a catalog of six, of uh, hundreds of songs that he just wrote himself. I mean, that was the thing when I turned to my first record and they were trademarking the songs. Or like, they would go down like uh, the first record was eleven songs that were by myself, and yeah. they thought it, they thought I was joking, right? I mean, just because it's so rare to have it that is. on here. So I love the idea, you know, learning about the songwriting world and all that stuff. I love which, the idea of 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 having a hit uh, by myself, not because of the money that really doesn't play into it anymore i like the idea of, of of having the concentration and being able to sit down now and and trust myself enough to finish a song but if i get on an idea that i think is that good i want to go show it to someone else and say hey you know you want to jump on this with me it's just sort of become the way yeah i mean that's why you know like someone like stapleton who was known as a great you know one of the top writers in town for years before he took off I just assumed in my head that he wrote all those songs by they himself. They sound like they do sound like solo rights, but that, the, the way he sings and phrases. But they're but they're all co-writes pretty right. much. I think. Right. I mean, they're all. I mean, he, well, most. I mean, most contemporary writers in this town. I mean, there's exceptions like Lauren McKenna just had a huge hit with a solo right, "Humble and Kind" with "Song of the Year." And she oh, that's wrote what it, I heard. Yeah, wrote it by herself. Someone said that was the first solo right to be to go. It had been years. It had been years. Before. And actually, this year, just with the nominees that just came out, there's a song uh, Taylor Swift wrote, the "Little Big Town" song. Yeah, by the way, for people herself. who were talking shit about Taylor Swift, and I'm one of them, she wrote a really good song, yeah. "Little Big Town," by herself, yeah. and just I think she, I assume she, her name was on it, but she still just sent it in. Like, who wants to? I don't know how it got to her, but like. Oh yeah, she well she wanted it for them. I mean, she wrote it and then thought they would be great for it, so yeah, she sent it to them. You know, so she can write a song. You know, yeah, she definitely can write a song. Um, and uh, you know, she knows what she's fucking doing. But I don't want to end with Taylor Swift. But hey, do you mind if on this podcast we play 
the demo of uh, fucking around that you and I sang into the machine. Sure, <laughs> I can't imagine what it sounds like. It's I pretty. It's pretty good. Time. I mean, the joke I, I made. I'm to, playing. I'm singing Nikki's part. Yeah, I'm sure. The, the joke I always make is that I liked your your uh, your <laughs> singing, but I needed a voice that was a little bit lower. <laughs> So I had to find a woman, but but I, but I want to I want to play that to let people know how it goes from that. Oh my god! Do you know how many times I pitch songs and the the comment is, "I really like that you pitched me this song. Why why would you pitch me a song with a female singing it?" And I was like, well, that's, you, that's me. Singing. You were singing falsetto. Wasn't well, like I was you... trying to you know we were doing a duet. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> I, it was I thought it was fucking great, but awesome. It's great seeing you, man, and thanks for doing this. I appreciate Thank it. You. you know, Jaron Johnson's downstairs, so we boo boo. Yeah, boo is right. Saw the rhyming, that piece of shit. All right. Thanks again, Shane. Thank you. <laughs> it's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. All right. That was my talk with Shane. One of the better ones, I thought. I mean, I talked too fast, but I didn't sound like a complete dipshit for most of it. Um, now, as promised, I'm going to play you that demo that uh, Shane and I did. And uh, you can hear the third guy who wrote the song with us named J.T. Hardy. He's in the background slapping his knees kind of percussion-like. But anyway, here's the original demo of Fucking Around. Do it. Sometimes the truth ain't meant to 
That was good. Well, there it is. Um, I love listening to that because, you know, you can hear what Dave Cobb and the band, everyone else, and Nikki Lane, you know, what they brought to it. Man, they really stepped it up. It's fun to hear the, what the original song. You can hear the, you know, the, um, you know, the core of the song is all there. And then, but, you know, obviously the band and Dave take you to a new level, but I like listening to that. I just, I love how I just scream solo out of the middle of nowhere, like as, a, as if it's going to be a solo, which we didn't even put on the record. Then you hear me fuck up, and then I remember we got done. You want to do another one? It's like, nah, I mean, it's my record. I know not to fuck up when I'm recorded. So, anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Probably one of my longer podcasts, but uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. See you fuckers later. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. It's Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast.